Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Food for Thought, a podcast gab fest in a multiracial mix of queer writers gather around the table to talk about sex, <gasps> identity, mm. culture, Ooh. what we like to read, and who we like to read. Food for Thought, Beyonce in the Sheets. Beyonce in the street. I am not. I am <laughs> neither of those ready. things. Fully ready. I am not. I am obsessed. I am Tommy Teebs, Pico Indigenous American poet, screenwriter, single and actively mingling. And my favorite thing about California, about being in Southern California again, is Jack in the Box. It's my happy place. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they don't. Have, do they have that in the Midwest? Is it? In, is it? Do they I, have that in no. Clean? And so, actually, the first time we recorded here, Kenya was like, "I'm going to the Jack and Bo- Jack in the Box," and I was like, "What the fuck is a Jack in the Box?" Wow. Were you never not aware of, of the E. coli thing in the 1990s? No. The Jack in the Box killed many people. It was like national news for like yeah. months. And because it was so cheap, I was like 10. Oh, we used to My go all the time. My parents were like, we have to, this is the only place we're eating at My now. dad, we would <laughs> always be like, dad, no, he's going to make us sick. And my dad was like, Jack in the Box is the safest place to eat right now because they're making sure they don't kill more oh, people. And you can get oh four tacos for a dollar. That was the, back in the, the day. The tacos are it not got, bad there. They got, it got so cheap. It got so cheap. Oh, But mm. it's like, what kind of cuisine is Jack in the Box? Because they have tacos and they have burgers, burgers. and then they have those like. The fries are so Fajita, pita things, and then they have like rice bowls, and it's like this is all over the place. It's very chaotic, and I love it. (laughs) I'm Fran. I'm a writer. I'm an editor. And sorry to start this discourse, but my favorite thing about being in Los Angeles is ignoring the In and Out and going to Shake Shack, a New York based (laughs) hamburger (laughs) place that has superior burgers. And it's always less crowded. It's always less crowded. In and Out, y'all are living a lie. Okay, (laughs) you are lying to yourself. Wake up, people. In and Out is mediocre at wow. I am Joseph Osmondson, scientist, nonfiction writer, and my favorite thing about being in Southern California is Jack off in the bathhouse in DTLA. Oh my god. Oh, and that's what got on the steps and that's why you fell down the steps. <laughs> you fell on your own cummies. <laughs> I fell oh on my, my own god. I have in LA um, just gone over to a guy's house. He had a, a rooftop uh-huh. uh, overlooking the entire city and we just like jerked off That's hot. in the presence of one that's, another that's on a rooftop overlooking the entire gorgeous That's not hot when you do it. But, <laughs> but it, <laughs> in, in theory you it's erase hot. me from it, the idea in is hot. hot. And you guys, I'm Dennis Norris the second and I'm a reader and a writer and a lapsed violist and this morning I felt fully Fran because I fell in love with an orange haired unemployable looking but very much employed barista mm. oh. fully did that did you t- was there a were you like Fran and took a pic and sent it to the group chat no I, I, did I didn't I did not take a picture but of course I went up to him and I was like um How's the salami, Sammy? Oh. And then you said, my mouth is this big. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, I'm ready. You're like, and I would love to take a bite of your salami, Sammy. <laughs> it was 
fully ready. I was fully ready. I could not host in my Airbnb. But you're like, well, think about these pants as they come off. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the two best pickup lines I've ever heard in my life. My mouth is this big. Flirting is an art. I do it exceptionally well. I do it so it feels like hell. I do it so it feels real. I guess you could say I have a call. <laughs> oh my god. I quit the show. <laughs> Dennis, do you have the menu for us? Please, today? D, get us out of you this. Guys, I don't know if I can dig fast enough, but um, for tonight's episode, we rev your engines by revisiting one of my thought faves, homonym. Joe delights us with a delectable impure thought. For our main discussion, we popcorn it up, and for dessert, we got a little something cute for ya. Mm. Take it away. Yes, 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 yes. It's time we start the top of the show the way any good top should with our uproarious appetizer segment, Amuse Boosh. And to amuse our booshes, Fran has got a homolicious game for us. Mm. That's right. Homonym. If you are not aware of how this game works, we list a series of similar sounding things, uh, as in a homonym. And if you don't know what a homonym is, it's when two words kind of sound the same, like bear as in a gay bear and bear as in like i'm the bear essentials you know what i mean yep yep yep, yep, yep. grin and bear and and, <laughs> and so okay these aren't actual real homonyms but like fuck you okay it's a homonym it's different it's completely different homonym. so john cena john cho Ooh. john mccain that's for Dennis. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah. Dennis um, you have found the who, one powerful old white man I've never had any interest in. Have you seen young Although, pictures of him? Wait, actually, yes, because when I went to prep school for summer reading for my freshman God. year, they sent us his autobiography and we had to read it. And I was like, this man is very hot. The point of the game is, which is the most homosexual? Which um, which of these is the most homosexual? I'm going to say John Cena. Isn't he a wrestler? And I yeah, like that's, that's very Now an actor. Yeah, an yeah, actor. yeah. Wow. Uh, I had a hookup in LA once and I went over there and there was like a uh, one of those giant wrestling belts and we had like really fun sex and I was like afterwards uh, I stayed and chatted because I am who I am mm-hmm. and I was like oh what's the deal with the wrestling belt and he's like oh I just love wrestling it's so gay it was like when I was young it was a place I could find my sexuality and then he made me watch wrestling for 45 minutes oh, oh. and you stayed I did you were into it I wasn't okay John Cho is maybe not the most homosexual, but he is hot. (laughs) Oh my God. That face structure. Not fair. He's exquisite. Truly not fair. Christina Aguilera, Christine and the Queens, christening, as in Christ and being baptized. (laughs) It's pretty gay. Baptism is gay as hell. So gay. The ceremony of it is like you have to wear like a white gown. Like Mm -hmm. you have to be covered in fluids. Covered. I love that. I mean, like I I I come from like like Baptist um a a Baptist church growing up, and like you get baptized when you're older, right? Like when you've discovered Christ. So like we would have church ceremonies where you know folks who are like in their twenties, thirties, forties are being Mm -hmm. baptized. It made it even gayer. So yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. christening on this one. Would, you, would you? Would they take you out to the water and dunk you? Yes, oh, my yeah. youth pastor dunked me in in our our church pool. How yeah. did his fingers make their way into your mouth? Oh my god! <laughs> oh my. But god. shout out to Christina the Queens, who is a queer icon and Actually is queer, amazing yeah. to follow on Instagram. Has one of the best Instagrams ever. And Christina Aguilera, love her. I mean, she's. I mean, yeah, Sandra. Absolutely. 
Sandra O oh. or Sandra Bernhardt. Oh, how, what a Sophie's choice. I know. I'm sorry. I'm That's sorry. Hard. That's hard. Sandra O oh is a gay icon, but she, Sandra, Sandra Bernard is, is, is a gay, is icon. A gay icon. icon. Is also literally gay. Yes. Also literally Sandra O oh is Which not. is actually not that gay anymore. Right, right, right. Being, Being gay, gay is not is, that gay. Is not that gay. Truly, no. I mean, there's argument to uh, where Dolly Parton is gayer than like Neil Patrick Harris. Well, I, I mean, accurate, <laughs> accurate. I'm going to go with Sandra O oh on this one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going Sandra Bernhardt. That voice. I, I think could I am jack too. off to that voice. Yeah. You know what I'm really excited about? What I'm really waiting is waiting for is a Sandra Bernhardt. Bernhardtisance. You know what I mean? Yes. You know how like we're getting a Laura Dernisance. Yes. We got like our Robert Downey Jr. Isance. Like I want the reintroduction of Santa Bernhardt as a genius. Thought, I kind of thought Pose would do that. I don't know why I thought that. I just assumed it would do that for her. I knew it wasn't gonna do that, but she is amazing on She's it. Amazing. She's I mean, She's it awesome. she does not she deserves more than that role, in my opinion. Agreed. Sandra Bullock or San? Look at me, I'm Sandra D. The latter for sure. <laughs> you think? Absolutely, I Sandra mean, D. Mostly just Sandra Bullock is like so straight. She, there's Pet mom she energy. Is she's heterosexual icon mom. Sandra Bullock, <laughs> and that's literally what she straight won her pride. Oscar for. Also, like, so Sandra D. When she takes her turn at the end of Greece and becomes like black leather mama. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God! Step on my Bad heart, Sandy. <laughs> Absolutely true. I love that the the moral climax of that movie is be a slut do whatever you want change, yep. no it's, it's actually change everything you are for a man yeah. <laughs> and, and, and honestly, okay Joe what gay has not honestly mm, true that's very gay <laughs> co dependence <laughs> co cane no, no. co cola co ping co ping the last <laughs> one is not gay at all. No, oh, coping. <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting next to Joe O, the science host, so I feel like I have to say codependence. But... Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Codependence is, codependency is actually a huge issue in the gay community. Yeah. But honestly, yeah. it's a huge issue in all, all in, romantic circles. Everyone. But like for gay men specifically, I do feel like when you're marginalized, you've been hurt. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when you enter into a relationship, you think they're going to fix you. Yeah, mm. that's uh, so true. I can imagine myself uh, doing cocaine off of my codependent boyfriend's butthole while drinking a rum and coke. Mm. All right. Well, well and you would call you would... that coping. Fully <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> would. Jack oh. Black. No. Sorry. Oh no. Jack Daniels. Jack from the Titanic. Jacked <laughs> no. as in that. The very bad oh. app that no um, I'm just going to go and say, I think the gayest is Jack from Titanic. Same. I, I agree. Fully think I fully that agree. Rose was a beard. Yeah. Let mm. me paint you. Yeah. I yes. do not think there is someone more heterosexual than Jack Black. I no, 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 <laughs> truly agree. not even Sandra Bullock. Does not even compute. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings. Or Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh my god. Buffalo oh. Wild Wings are not very bottom friendly. No, they are so not. So that's very gay. One- <laughs> <laughs> I remember one time I took my friend out uh, for his birthday to Buffalo Wild Wings as like kind of a joke. And like we kept ordering, ordering, order, ordering. And like the bill was still like $60 or yeah, something. They yeah, were yeah, like yeah. $40. It was like so. Anyways. Literally try to spend more than $10 at a Taco Bell. Oh my <laughs> god. It's so hard. <laughs> Tiffany Pollard. Tiffany Haddish, Tiffany and Company, Tiffany Trump. Boo. Tiffany um, Trump is kind of gay, though. She's the best of all. Oh, is she? she yeah, I mean, she like disowned him. Yeah. Like, and he hates her. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, because he doesn't want to fuck her. 
Yeah, she's, yeah. she's oh, a gosh. she is a brunette after all. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna say Tiffany New York Pollard, and the reason why I'm gonna say that is because of the famous clip of her um being asked about her love of drag queens, mm. and she just says, "Listen." Listen, you only go around this earth one motherfucking time. So be extra, bitch. Mm. And we love you for it. I love my mm. drag queen sisters and they love me. And I that that quote actually just gives me so much queer inspiration when I need it most. Mm. I think Tiffany and Co. is the gayest because I can't afford it. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, well, I, thanks for bringing it, it down. <laughs> I think Tiffany, I, I'm going to go with Tiffany Pollard as well because she knows how to turn a phrase very, very quickly. Yes. When when Sweetie was like, I look like Beyonce, and she was like, bitch, you look like Luther Vandross. <laughs> <laughs> she is. She's so quick. She was like, that is, that is gay. That timing is gay. And having that like is. been, I've like, you know, met her a few times and she's like so professional, so magnetic, like so like, you know, a, a divorce from like her reality TV personality, but like all the fun bits are still there. She's just oh, an amazing person. I love her. Iced tea, iced coffee, iced mocha frappuccino. Dennis. <laughs> Ice, ice, baby. We are bad. I have a question. So I, I don't, I don't go to the south that much. Is like iced tea, like sweet tea. Is it like, is it like the the iced coffee of the south? Does everyone drink it? I okay. So when I've been in the south, everyone. I always feel like iced tea is sweet tea, but you don't like see people carrying it around all the time in the mm. same way that like Here, in New York like and probably nice LA, coffee. everyone has a coffee in, in the dead hand, of winter. Nice yes. Mid February. Yeah. No gloves. Shaking. <laughs> I don't yeah. think they have the same uh, caffeine addiction issues that we do in the yeah. North and the South. Mm. Um, but I do think iced coffee is the gayest. I do too. Because gayer than you- a frappuccino. Yes. Because gayer it, than ice, ice yes. baby. Oh, yes. yeah. Iced coffee to me is the gayest. I would say icing somebody out is very gay. Oh, I would Ooh, say that's icing true. that butthole. Okay. Oh. Ice, ice. Wait, who is this? Vanilla ice. Vanilla ice. Vanilla ice. Yeah. Vanilla ice. He yeah. looks pretty He's gay. He's so gay. To me. He's so gay. Oh, wow. He did not age into gayness. <laughs> no. But when he got his start, he, he looks like. Someone I would swipe right on, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, he's had a barrel of dicks in that mouth. <laughs> uh, we all? Ali Mahershala. Ooh. Ali Muhammad. Ooh. Ali from Star Um, Bradley Cooper from A Star is Born is actually the guy. <laughs> He's so gay. I was going to say that very intense Oscar Oscars duet was felt incredibly gay to me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. He was staring at her like she was an erect penis. Okay. (laughs) Liam Neeson, Liam Payne, Liam Hemsworth. There are so many on this list, like Jack Black and Sandra Bullock, that are just str- offensively straight. Mm. I feel like Liam, Liam Neeson, Neeson is also very straight. Offensively straight. You know what? You are, are good at this game, Joe. <laughs> yeah. You can decipher <laughs> who is heterosexual. It's only taken four years. <laughs> uh, uh, Liam Payne. There are all those rumors. <laughs> Tell the girls about the rumors. I know, and I know it's like inherently homophobic and like deeply problematic to like ever speculate that celebrities are gay. You know what I mean? But like for the sake of the punchline, like... He's I would gay. love his stick in my mouth. <laughs> I 
this is to me this is why this is the gayest but you know there's all that speculation about Liam Neeson having the biggest dick in Hollywood yes true so, what? really I've never yes. heard that mm-hmm. it is like a well open known secret. open secret I believe yeah. Janice Dickinson was the one who went on some radio program yes. and was like I was in yes. fear of my life and I <laughs> think it's been I'm confirmed. sure she did Janice yeah. Dickinson <laughs> Janice Deep Dickinson <laughs> Lastly, De- we've lost Dennis. <laughs> we've lost, I don't know what happened. Pop music, popcorn, poppers, jalapeno, <laughs> pop locking and dropping. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! I feel like the gayest is that popcorn kernel gets stuck in your tooth for like three days and comes oh, out all bloody worst. afterwards. You know, I'm actually going to say it's the gayest, but not for that reason. <laughs> right. I'm going to say popcorn is just queer corn. It's corn. It's corn that's like, hello. You thought wrong, bitches. You know, she's like, you, she, you heat her up, and then she's just like, bam, bam. <laughs> <laughs> Cover me in salt and butter. Pop um, music is pretty gay too, but like music makes you gay. Everyone knows that yes, music actually true. makes you gay, right? There it's is technically true. there is some pop music where I'm like, oh, like that's the most heterosexual thing I've ever heard. Like Halsey. Sorry, oh. Dua Lipa. That oh. is like, like that is like yes. heterosexual dog whistle. Like when it plays, I'm just like, <laughs> like all I hear is like, like ah, what's and going on? Yet, oh, I love that one song. Yeah. I do. Um, I just want some jalapeno poppers now, you guys. Oh wow, <laughs> honestly, jalapeno poppers. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you all for playing. For our next course, we've got a slutty story from the Whore Archive, our uproarious, also uproarious segment called Impure Thoughts, spelled T-H-O-T. T-H-O-T. So tell us about that, Joe. Yeah, uh, so I had to go back into my Whore Archive for this one. Uh, and it was, this actually, this story really mind, reminds me of some of Tommy's stories, because it, it was about someone whomst I really adored, but who lived in another city. So mm. someone who, for That's me... my whole sexuality. Right, sure. and for me, it was sort of a, an epically frustrating relationship, because it was someone who I really, really wanted to date and get more intimate with, but it always sort of had to be at this distance. Right. Um, but I loved going to see him. I would, you know, sort of, we met in, in a city, he was a librarian, really lovely really sexy we have like similar kinks like great mm. um, intellectual conversation he was always super supportive of me um, and not to like fetishize like the chase or like when people are elusive but there is a little fun kind of cat and mouse element to like the dynamic of your relationship I mean at some point we like we had open discussions about like would you move here would you and it was always just kind of like we were never close enough that it actually made sense mm-hmm. to move but I you know I really loved to go visit him a, f- a few times a year and he would come and visit me we sort of had the same and we'd have like really good sex and you know he was kind of kinky and I was kind of kinky so it was always really fun so I got a ticket to go visit him this had to be a you know a couple of years ago and and he lived in a city that hosted um, one of them their leather events. Mm. You one know, of the what? Leather events? Oh, like oh, mid, oh, I think mid Atlantic leather, like maybe a, like a leather con or a like leather con. A, one of those. A, a and, you know, yeah. Those are all like these things where all these like Twitter porn stars and everyone just kind of comes. So there's this whole feeling in the city of like sexiness and a vibe and. You know, he and I were kind of having a conversation about it. we really wanted to mostly just have sex just us, but it was kind of nice we could go to like the little kink and leather thing, stingy go, with go, booty. go buy some poppers, mm-hmm. we'll get some toys, have a really good time together, right? So we had been doing this, we had had like a really, um, really great weekend and had lots of sex. And, uh, you know, I 
in the past year and a half, I haven't talked about this on the show. I don't think I've got into. I've gotten a little bit into chastity play. Have you all heard of this? Uh, no, I, I definitely have. I've Explain you know I've edited a story about it. So it, it's basically a thing where um, you actually wear a little plastic chastity device over your penis that prevents your penis from getting erect. Uh, it's a thing that you know. It actually is it painful? No. Okay. It is not painful. So how does it prevent? Well, it can be depending on how long you've gone and what what you're into and stuff like that but you know it, uh, it, 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 it just it is a constriction it definitely doesn't hurt me if it fits right and everything but it's actually very sexy not only bottoms get into it right a lot of subs get into it a lot of bottoms get into it but that's not it but what it does is it makes for me it makes you feel like your butthole is like your only sexual pleasure point right so like when I bottom with a thing on my body does things that my body does normally not do, right? Because there is no other side. Tommy, yes? I'm horrified. <laughs> <laughs> what else is your body going to do? I, yeah, I'm a like, little worried. Like, do we want to dive deeper into that or no? Not, not horrified at the fetish. Horrified at Joe specifically. Yes. <laughs> Joe specific we don't body. kink shame. If you do actually want to read more about this, there's an amazing piece about, about chastity on out.com for my previous out days. And also if you follow Caged Jock, Cage Jock is so he's the person who got me into it. Cage Jock is so fucking very hot on Instagram. Tommy's doing research right now. He was at my gym one time. (gasps) Oh yeah, I remember you texting. And it was fully him because he has very distinctive tattoos and piercings. Piercings, not tattoos. And um, I saw that I was texting my boyfriend. I was like, oh my God, Cage Jock is here. And he had the piercings and he he's very short. He is maybe Tommy's like, bye. He is maybe closed window. He is so bored. He is maybe five, seven. (laughs) Um, But one of the things I like about cage shock and one of the things that made me want to get into is he actually fucks people in his cage with a strap on on. Ooh. Okay. Huh. Interesting. Oh, okay. So hot. Okay. So I had, I hadn't been playing with chastity. I've just been having more vanilla sex with this boy all weekend, but it's like mid and it's, it's one of those leather weekends. And in his city, there is a bathhouse and he has lived there for a long time. And he knows that on this particular weekend, the bathhouse is fucking lit. Right. Mm. And he's like, we've been waiting. Cause it's a particularly like Sunday night, end of the weekend. Everyone leaves the conference and goes to the bathhouse okay. to fuck. <gasps> And I oh. have always wanted to be at the bathhouse in chastity. And it is like one of those kink weekends where like that wouldn't be so abnormal, right? Like people there would kind of know what's going on. And like I didn't really want to get a bottom for that many people. But it was it, the idea was like so sexy to me to be there with him and to be in the bathhouse and be in chastity and kind of play that role and see how it felt to be kind of like – you know i love a bathhouse because i just love being naked and fully visible to people and like being fully visible as someone wearing chastity sounded really hot to me okay so um we're kind of getting ready and he's like oh you know i'm feeling kind of i'm not really feeling that great and i was like oh but i have the like i've douched i have the chastity device on and we're going and we're driving and we're driving and we're driving and uh you know it was maybe a 20 minute drive uh and I had made him made him bring a thermometer from home because I was like, you know, if you have a fever, we're not going to the bathhouse. Oh, You're not I going you meant in, for your butt. No, yeah, I mean that would have been fun too. But I'm like, we're not going in the steam room if you have a fever, right? And so we had this deal that if we pulled up to the bathhouse, if his fever was over a hundred, we would turn around and go home. And I am like ready. I'm so excited. So to turn ex- around and go home. To, I am not you. <laughs> I am not you, Tommy. I'm so sorry. I got my wires crossed. For you. So excited to go into the bathhouse. I'm douched in chastity. He's actually really horny. 
we take the temperature. The temperature is 100.3. Wow. Degrees. That's very scary. And he and I look at each other. And I just said, put it in drive. Wow. And we turned. Wow. And I told him, stop by a grocery store. On the way home, I got all the ingredients. And I made him chicken noodle soup. Aww. Oh. I love turning around and going oh. home. We, we, um, I kept the chastity device on all night. Uh, we cuddled on the couch and watched a rom-com. And then he very generously, vigorously fingered me. Uh, and then we went to bed cuddling. Okay. And he had strep throat. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Fully had strep throat. So yeah, 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 yeah. It, yeah, it yeah. was good. Yeah, no, we, it was the right decision the not right to go decision. into the bathhouse. You know, and it was like you I didn't want to start a contagion. Looking back oh. on it, like I did want that opportunity of being in the ba- in the bathhouse in that situation on that particular weekend. Um, you know, it was a huge fantasy of mine. Um, but it was nice to you know, for someone who was a, lo- a long distance person, a person I hadn't spent that much time around. It was actually just nice to actually be a team, you know, and mm. be like, oh, you know, we make this deal and then like we stick yeah. to the deal because it's about health and it's about being right. together right. and like having this, yeah. we don't get that many weekends together. And that was actually the last weekend we spent together because then I, um, I got a BF. Aww. So like, you know, when you and get a BF, BM. tragic, yeah. <laughs> I know. when you get a BF, like those, uh, those sort of long distance things kind of fall off the radar, but yeah, absolutely. that chicken noodle soup was good. Do you, so, but you don't ever like, Hey, every now and then. Well, no, we're still friends. Okay. I mean, that's the thing. It, when I have those long distance things with people, I have these and, you know, I had like thoughts in different area codes and stuff from my travels, from the show. And I'm still friends with all of those people. Same. I think mm-hmm. I, with me and, you know, my long distance BFs, it's almost, it's like we are waiting until the other one get, finds someone at home. Yeah. You know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. with the, whether they're like Philly or Seattle or Baltimore. Um, Hi, Baltimore. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. like this idea that like, oh, this is cool. And we're going to maybe like fuck every three months or so yeah. or t- twice a year or however long. We're going to stay in touch. But like if they get a thing or I get a thing, you know, at least we still have a basis of friendship yeah. so that it's not like the, the, the connection itself weathers and dies. And I will admit that it has been a hard transition for me and, and some of these thoughts because, you know, my thoughts in the area code aren't just people I fuck. They're people I like genuinely am friends with, right. like hanging out with, like could date if we were in the same right. cities. And, it, you know, I had to, uh, this particular thought actually defriended me on some socials because he just, it was hard for him to see. I get that. You know, and, yeah. and, and I wasn't, he then refriended me and we had a little chat about it you know i we have had to give each other space at certain times to switch gears yeah and i also you know tbqh i miss seeing it i miss going to see him of course i do like Mm -hmm. i missed sort of fostering um that connection i'm super glad i have a boyfriend and you know and i that doesn't take anything away from the relationship i'm building uh in new york popular belief but you know i i do sort of with this one in particular who i really for three years spent time seeing three times a year or more right and fought you know we saw each other through a lot on the phone and yeah it's you know i miss him so i'm left really wanting you to have this experience with the chastity device (laughs) at this kind of thing and so my question is just do you think that's something that could be on the agenda at some point it's definitely gonna happen it's definitely gonna happen yeah yeah yeah, for sure i'm not and that was the other thing about turning around that night is that i was like yeah this is like a particularly hot set of circumstances but it's not the only time in my life that this is gonna be possible you know and and, And, you know season five you might have this part two i hope so yeah 
Hey, thank you. Thank you. you. This message comes from iHeartRadio sponsor, Mercury Insurance. If you're looking to save some money, you should really think about getting a quote from Mercury because Californians save an average of $677 with Mercury. It's quick and easy, and in just a few minutes, you might find you could save a lot of money on your auto and home insurance. Plus, Mercury was named one of America's best insurance companies by Insure.com four years in a row. Low rates, big discounts, great insurance. Go to mercuryinsurance.com today to get a quote. All right, it's time we got to the meat of our discussion, the thought process, so T-H-O-T, and to sling meat this week, it's all of us, because we're bringing back a segment, or this segment, we're bringing back popcorn, which is, we sometimes have um, discussion topics that we want to talk about that we don't think maybe could last the whole 25 minutes. A whole 30, yeah, yeah, 30 minutes Mm -hmm. or whatever it is, and so we break them down into... Bite-sized little discussion. Yes. Tapas, if you will. Tapas! So instead of a a film... Full meal, you get family style yes. here today. Top and just to gamify it, to add a little action to your everyday, we bravely time each discu- each discussion topic at five minutes. Five minutes only, so you will notice that we're talking maybe a little bit faster than we might usually. And you know what? If you listen to your podcast at two times the speed, you might want to slow it down. For us. <laughs> yeah. but that, that is truly no one except me. Sociopath who listens to podcasts <laughs> at two times the speed. Hello. All right. Who's up first? Dennis. Me. All right, you guys. So I am talking today about our social media selves. It's a little bit ironic considering that of the four of us, I probably have the least um, connected relationship to social media. But I think that's actually um, part of what what puts me in a good perspective to kind of um, talk about it and talk about what I want out of social media. And the thing that I'm always thinking most about is... um, what is our responsibility to um, the social media followings that we have to mm. to, uh, to show like all aspects of our lives? So not necessarily just our successes and our and our achievements and the wonderful things that are happening, our tender kisses with our beloveds, and the the Hate incredible <laughs> the incredible um, bubble baths that we fall right, into whenever we get a chance. All right, everyone to. is looking directly at me, and the answer is you owe everything, but also nothing. Yeah. <laughs> because here's the thing: if you, I'm someone who believes that if you have a platform, you must use it for social good. It doesn't uh-huh. matter if you have a thousand followers or a hundred thousand followers like i believe that we all have platforms in the age of social media to Mm -hmm. generate change even if it's only affecting one person so i do i I do fiercely use my platform to advocate for positive change or like fruitful discussions that people might otherwise not have thought about Mm -mm, that said true my social media platforms are not a democracy okay (laughs) they are a monarchy and i am the queen so (laughs) if i would you stop jerking off in the studio please i if i want to delete your comments i will if i don't want to answer to you I will not. If I, if you are asking something for me, I do not have to acquiesce your request. You this know is what I fully mean? true. It is like you have to protect yourself if you have, if you are feeling yourself this what, what, weathered I, down by. I yourself. believe in deleting as often as I want to. Your entire social yes. media presence as, as a matter of fact. <laughs> every you know so I mean? often. Every so often. Because it's just like, sometimes I don't want to have everybody's voice in my head. Sometimes I just That's need so my true. own right, right, voice. Right, right, and sometimes, right. like, I don't necessarily feel 
I don't disagree with you, Fran, but I don't necessarily agree with you totally because I don't, uh, I don't really use my shit for anything other than like stupid fucking puns mm-hmm. and like talking about how Joe needs to go to bed. That's, that's <laughs> also That's out. totally untrue, Tommy, though. You do talk about colonialism. You talk about your own work, which is in mm-hmm. itself in for social good. You're yeah. totally just trying to like downplay, you know, t- bland type of stuff. But I only I do you. puns and <laughs> I'm only ever sad on social media. So, I, you know, I made the decision that everyone's only other ever happy and achieving things on social media so i should do the exact opposite but that's also like a total character that i build up and the thing that i'll say about that is that if you think about your social media as a character of or a voice or several characters or several voices and you're an artist or a writer it's a great place to try things out to try Mm -hmm. out jokes to try out puns to try out Mm -hmm. characters to try out stories and the thing is it's a very writerly place and it's a very place that's dense with artists and you can get feedback and jokes and play off each other sort of in real time. So I definitely think about both Facebook and Twitter in Yikes. part as like a, a craft building exercise. Speaking of caricatures, Someone who you loves have been described as a gay Kathy comic. Okay. Yes. So I, Alexander Chi, I believe. And yes. Not to call you out, but this, uh, we are staging an intervention. Joseph, you are the person whose social media presence is furthest away from your real self. Like, because we, so no, actually, like, you're not like though. a totally stable unit, but like, but, but like, you, you, you experience you, a lot lot of joy what you do on twitter is truly so far from humanity (laughs) and i'm curious i'm no i'm serious i'm totally serious like i used to be i used to have a version of myself on instagram that was really really far away and like as i've grown over time i actually have got closened like myself to my social Mm. even Mm -hmm. though there's always going to be that disparity and the finsta yeah and the finsta finsta. which you will never see Um, but like what what to you i mean how do you reconcile like building the persona and selling that quote-unquote brand of yourself because it kind of sells your writing sometimes or it helps yeah. caricaturize what like, your work. Mm-hmm. Contextualize your work. I view yeah. it as I view it as I don't think I have a single persona on Twitter. I think it's a place where I go to try out multiple voices. Mm-hmm. And yet the ones yeah. that you might see most often are the are the ones that are sort of the most sad, the most ridiculous, the most yeah. over the top. Right. But I actually again I don't I don't feel the obligation to narrow it to who I am in real life. You know, you can get the books for that. I have friends for mm-hmm. that. I have family for that. Mm-hmm. I I really do. It's fun to me to actually use it as a place to, you know, I was very, uh, I can be very conservative and like a little afraid to try new things. And Twitter and Facebook are a place where I get to expand my voice. Experiment. It's, it's yeah. fairly low stakes to be, yeah. uh, unless you're being racist or fucking horrible. It's fairly low True. stakes. And the worst that happens is you do a tweet and it gets like three likes. And you're like, oh, I guess yeah. that wasn't as funny as what I thought it so was. So you're going to have to delete it now. Just have fun, y'all. That's what it's here for. Have fun. Be yourselves. Lift people up. Do crimes. BK, do crimes on social. Get blocked on Twitter. Five minutes. Ding, ding, ding. Tattle. All right, one, two, three, go. A lot of people in my DMs slide in to ask about my practices specifically with tarot. Hmm. Uh, I get a lot of people being like, how did you, you know, come across your deck? Or when did you start to learn to practice? Why do you do it? And I love this kind of like new fascination with tarot, with astrology, with kind of witchcraft at large. It's like such a fun moment for me. Um, But, but, you know, for me personally, like I started doing it after getting like a a few readings from my friend Kelsey, who is at at, at Aminar Healing um, on Instagram. If you want to go follow her, I just had a bit of a spiritual experience and a craving to do more. Mm. If anytime you have a craving to do literally anything, pursue it. Um, there are a lot of people that believe that you should not buy your own 
first tarot deck that is totally an artifice like i I bought mine too yeah i bought my own like all all the traditions that come with tarot do away with them i started to fall in love with tarot as a practice because of a book called modern tarot by michelle t and so much Mm. of her writing on tarot does away with the kind of heteronormativity the patriarchal and like binary depictions of like interpretations of those cards because they really are rooted in you know patriarchy yeah exactly Mm -hmm. so you know find the things that help set you free i personally read a card a day yeah. um, I just pull it draw it if it resonates I'll think about it if it doesn't I'll be like oh you know I just remember I'm still practicing I've only been doing it for like a year or two Fran, mm-hmm. I think that's super important you know when people are afraid of tarot also they think it's going to give them like maledictions it's mm-hmm. going to like bring them bad luck and I think Alex Chi in his essay about tarot oh, and his such essay a books, good essay teaches so you that good. it's actually not that it's not uh, future telling if you get a bad reading it's sort of like what am I doing to set up these failures in my life and how can I und- there's always a way out in the tarot mm-hmm. deck and it's always cyclical you're going to have rough moments but you're going to come back around and have not rough moments again the other thing I think about um, with I, I bought my own deck first I think so I, I wouldn't say with tarot I do away with all traditions I just make my own it's mm-hmm. sort of like uh, it, the deck sort of speaks to me like I just got a new deck it's called the Vinder deck I actually found out about it from Michelle T mm-hmm. on Facebook uh, and it's a deck that is made by a badass feminist woman, and it has beautiful uh, watercolor paintings for every single card. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have only done one reading with it because it's a new deck, but I've carried it everywhere with me mm-hmm. on tour. I just I, I oh. shuffle it a lot. I just mm-hmm. like get the feeling of it. Uh, and I, I store I, mine with a crystal. You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, do in you, your butt. Do you <laughs> have it next to the Gwyneth Paltrow va- uh, vaginal smelling yes, candle? Yes, yeah. Is that what <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, and that just makes me feel good. It makes me feel like I have this talisman that I'm getting to know slowly and that I'll start doing more and more readings with. I have a couple of friends where they're like, oh, you gave me a reading with tarot that, um, you know, changed my life or made me think about something a little differently. I like to think about, you know, I used to be Catholic. Mm -hmm. I gave up Catholicism, Mm -hmm. but I try to do a Sunday tarot reading and it's just Mm -hmm. like 30, 45 minutes that Mm -hmm. I get to spend with myself. It sort of takes the place of that spiritual institution that I used to have to go to. And now I just can sit there and think about my week and the week ahead and if I'm doing good or if I'm not doing good on my own and with this tradition that's been around for a long time and has been developed by a lot of people and I develop a practice with my friends as well. Similar to meditation or therapy or, you know, taking a nap, honestly. It's just taking time for yourself (laughs) to to have introspection. And I love love that people find ways and systems of belief. I don't happen to believe in any <laughs> i'm just a skeptic and i'm a cynic and i don't really believe in anything i don't believe in tarot i don't believe in astrology i don't believe in numerology i don't believe in um enneagram i don't believe in myers-briggs but that's just me but i'm yeah. glad that other people believe in their thing but here's I, the tea tommy i don't believe in it either like yeah, i don't believe in yeah. tarot i don't believe in tarot as divination i don't believe in yeah, tarot as true. like a, as a practice of future telling i believe in tarot as a practice in storytelling yep. it's mm. like literally me creating narratives for fun and and cards using sim- symbology to force me to reckon with and reflect on things that I've done. Yeah. And you know who else doesn't believe in astrology? Channy Nicholas. Interesting. Channy Nicholas has, has said on record, I don't believe in this stuff. Like this is all about you being your best possible yes, self yeah, yeah, by yeah. way of archaic modes, practices, methodologies. Yeah. Mm. So I am a person who comes to tarot relatively recent in my life as well because I had a super religious upbringing and I grew up in a home where anything that was even remotely associated with the occult was like was like you you respected it but you stayed away because you didn't want you did not want to become possessed by a demon. I wasn't even allowed to watch Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Mm. 
So it's only been in my like um, late twenties that I began to explore tarot. I've never actually read tarot. I don't know that I have any interest in reading it, but I can say that as someone who's even like only ever on the receding receiving side, because shocking, I, shocking, because I love, I do love <laughs> to have my cards read, um, and I try to have it done done just through friends who do it. Um, about four times a year, it does feel like a bit of a substitute for the religious practice that I had when I was very young. And I don't know that I believe in it either, but I also don't know that I don't believe in it. And I really enjoy that ambiguity and just sort of nosing my way through the lessons. And the last thing that I'll say is I'll put it in the show notes because I don't remember the name of it right now, but I had a reading done at a residency a year ago and it was done It was done from a deck that was specifically written for Black Femmes. Mm. And it was this really beautiful deck. It's really incredible. And I will find the link to put it in our, in our show notes later on. You don't yes. have to believe in tarot to have fun with it. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so this little bite is about the children. I have a really interesting relationship to wanting to have kids. I've wanted to have kids for as long as I could remember. My mom used to teach Lamaze classes, and we were too poor to have a babysitter for them. So I would go at like four, five, and six, and I was her like teaching assistant. So if someone's partner couldn't come, I would like rub their back and hold oh their hand my God, and that do is their very he, 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 who breathing with them. Wow. And I like used to have literal dreams. The first dreams that I could remember were about my body with a baby inside, right? Mm. I later least, was about mm. shitting. <laughs> Having <laughs> um, the biggest that's bowel what the baby actually was. So, you know, for for a man, I think that's fairly a cis man, I think that's fairly atypical. I, I mm. still want kids, but it's actually being mushed up a little bit by what's happening to our climate. It's like yeah. you know, climate yeah. change is making me want kids less. So do you want yeah. do y'all want kids? Never I've never wanted children. I don't really like them. I don't really fuck with kids. They don't can't really carry a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> They're so boring to talk to. <laughs> and, and also just as a person who's dating and people like you know, I'm 36. And yeah. If I'm dating people my own age, if they want families, they're looking for somebody Soon. they can have a family with, mm-hmm. and that has unexpectedly become red flags. And oh. during dating, that didn't happen when I was 23. You know what I mean? That like it, it, back then, like everything was theoretical more or less. Yeah. And now it's like like last call at the bar. Like everyone's like, mm. uh, am I, are you going to be the? Will you knock me up? Will you knock me up? That's fucking. Oh, yeah. yeah. but it's it's so That's true, it Tommy. It's so true. And I don't want them. I don't. I don't begrudge. And I love my friends children but it's like i don't want to the i don't i don't feel like i can be responsible for another living human being yeah i i relate to that deeply i have really zigzagged on this i've gone back and forth over the years when i was very young i always thought like i never wanted a child i mean literally when was the last time a child asked you how your day was like (laughs) oh my god children are so (laughs) inconsiderate and then um just to go back in time a little bit uh when my parents started having a lot of their health problems that preceded preceded my dad's death my mom had a had a stroke it was a whole big thing and in that moment I was like I think I want to have a child I think I want to be married and I want to have a child and for the next like seven or eight years I was like I want to have a kid and I know I want to have a kid so badly that that at a certain point if I'm financially able to even if I don't have a partner I will have a kid I will adopt a kid that's always been very important to me as well my brother is adopted there are a lot of kids out there who don't have homes that's what I would do um in the last few years as I've sort of had the glow up I feel like my life has changed in all these wonderful ways where having a kid if I had a kid right now would make it really really complicated and a lot more 
challenging and I don't yet know if I want one. And then as I begin to understand climate change even more, mm-hmm. that also makes it hard. But also <laughs> one of my best friends has a kid that I like deeply, deeply love and I'm kind of obsessed with. And then the last time I visited them, I was like, oh shit, did I just grow ovaries again? So I don't ah! know. It just depends on the day. We uh, don't know. Fran. Something that might surprise you, Joe, is that I have wanted kids my entire oh, life. Wow. Oh, We're I, the same. I want to be, be a dad so bad yeah. and I Yikes. would be a fuck good dad even though I know a lot of things on record might suggest otherwise <laughs> I really actually would be a fucking good dad and I there are a lot of moments at least in my past life where I really I would have abandoned my entire career just to be me a too stay, a for sure home dad wow. um and that really changed for me this year mm-hmm. I really feel like having kids at this particular moment is borderline irresponsible like Um, there are reasons mm -hmm. why overpopulation and climate change and the very fucked up world that we're living in right now is like hard to fathom when you are come from queer uh, when you're a queer marginalized person when you have trauma that you can pass down to people Mm. um when you it's like so difficult to like even look out for myself um but uh at the same time you know i i do you know i mean honestly abolish kids is what i'm trying to say (laughs) (laughs) they should be illegal tommy's on board with me no more but also, can we say, like, I'm a, I'm addicted to the idea of the browning of America. Like, I just want all of us to, like, have all these kids. And then I feel like as the world is dying, maybe ours, maybe brown and black kids will be the last ones to go. Yeah. The last people I standing. That's a morbid as hell thought. <laughs> if everyone's going to die. Have you ever had, um, friends, like, like female friends that say like I would uh, I want to have I want to have your ba- I want to have a baby with you or yes. something because you're gay or whatever and it's like I can't I mean, I've had like lots of friends say that to me and propose that to me and it's like no because that child will have kumyai blood uh-huh. and because of that kumyai blood they will be enrolled members of the Via Hassani right, Reservation right, 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 right. and like I don't want that I, I don't want there to be an, um, mm-hmm. a voting member that doesn't live or have experience of living on the reservation oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you feel like you'd have to move that's back real. yeah, yeah wow, I mean kids are like they, they change your life so much because it's like an obligation factory right how you Mm want to raise kids has it just you you can't there's compromise everywhere and so i think the other big thing is that like it's okay to change your mind and like you know there's no age that's too old no matter what type of body you have you can always adopt you can always make your family differently Mm -hmm. you know it's never too late for sure i really don't think you should abolish kids though like love kids (laughs) be be queer parents be a queer family Yeah, yeah, yeah All right, so our next topic is obligation, or cultural obligation, per se. And we're making this a popcorn topic because we get a lot of messages and sentiment from, like, straight fans, from white fans. They're always just like, do I not read enough queer shit? Actually, honestly, not even straight white fans, just, like, queer people at large are like, I'm not consuming all the books that you guys are consuming. I'm not, like, reading all the movies. I'm not watching all the movies that you're watching. Like, Like, how can I be a queer person if I'm not a consumer of, like, all queer art at large? And, like, something that I always say is, like, you know, if, if you, we have, we shouldn't have created a construct of queerness that like by set you need to have a sense of in order to have a sense of belonging you need to like consume like everything out there that's like a cultural elitism that like does not mm-hmm. need to exist and it reproduces that idea that there is a canon or some kind of canonical thinking that right. we wanted to rebel mm-hmm. against in the first place well, exactly it's antithetical to like queerness at large and like also just like there's a lot of like shamey shame things out there yeah. which is like what you haven't seen like the whole like all of these Almodovar movies or like whatever which are great movies by the way but mm-hmm. like but like that's just like not helping the cause right and also if like I'm like obligated to like consume all amount like every cultural object of queerness like y'all have a lot of like Adam Lambert list uh, albums to listen to like seriously like it's just not it just doesn't make 
makes sense. Yeah. And also, as a creator of culture, I don't have time to consume it all. Yes. I make a lot of right. stuff, so I don't have time to sit and do it all the time. And no one does. It's really easy to sit on Twitter or even where this podcast has, has four of us, plus producer Alex, who also helps, and other people who write. It's like we are four individual people with different reading history. So every every book we talk about, sometimes only one of us will have read it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not it's that sort of comparing yourself to the knowledge at large or to any one other person or anything like that. It's it's just not the right way to go about learning. You what know? do you yeah. feel obligated to consume? Mm. Because I've also thought about like when uh, I realized that just when I didn't like a book, I could actually stop reading it. You yes. know, because I had like I had such a scholastic mindset that if I if I read if is there going to be a test on this? You know, I feel mm-hmm. like if I started it, I had to finish it. And now yeah. once I was like, you know what? There's not going to be a test on this. I am actually not going to. Yeah. <sighs> I have found myself um, more like more and more lately to feel a lot less obligation to consume things that are traumatic. So oh. like I have not, yeah, I, I read a lot about Queen and Slam. I haven't seen it yet. Maybe I will later. But honestly, when it was that, I was like, I don't feel like this story is like really for me. And I feel like it's going to be somewhat of a traumatic experience. You know how it ends. You you know, you know how it ends. Yeah. You know how it ends. So, so the the challenging thing with me though is that for many years I did feel like if it was if it was black I had to see it. If it was queer I had to see it. Um, and I also grew up actually not being exposed to that many like sort of pillars of like black cultural artistic like things. I fully blame my sis- my older sisters who were out of the house um, for this. I've only seen two Spike Lee movies I think in my entire life. One of them is Black Klansman. So like all the a lot of the old ones I haven't seen. Um, but yeah, I just think it's really really important. That we also remember that our um, identities that we that 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 make us who we are are not subscribing necessarily to everything that we consume. And also, just like if you have an anxiety about like not consuming enough culture, just like ask yourself like, do you read as much as you write? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's really as much. I can't. I think Alex always said that, or you always said that, Joe. You know, it's about you should be consuming stuff. Like mm-hmm. rest assured, like you should be consuming the people that like brought you to the platform that you're at. Mm-hmm. Um, and like input is just as much as just as important as output. Yep. But you know, there's no canon, no like yep. uh, kind of achievement unlocked there's no like kind of like arsenal that you can fully uh 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 kind of build up with all this like queer knowledge that will be like you know that will pale in comparison and all of that being said it is a problem if you're a gay white man and you don't read writers of color right Right. like Mm -hmm. look at your reading list and Mm -hmm. and try to understand am i bringing biases into this you know it can never be too black and brown and queer but it can sure as shit be you know the canon is defined by certain things oh i feel really bad i haven't ever read dickens so let me spend all my you know so i do think it's really good to think about what you're consuming Mm -hmm. and think about what your what your consumption how that sets you up to produce art of different Mm -hmm. types Mm -hmm. but you know i think it's getting out of the guilt mindset in Mm -hmm. general exactly is is really the way forward you don't feel bad just try you know just try to read things that matter and you enjoy and that learn from i remember like when i did my year of reading a.r ammons though he was somebody canonical who i'd avoided because of his canonicity (laughs) then i engaged with him and i was like wow i really fuck with this dude right Right. right, right. decolonize your book absolutely yeah Yeah. Yeah. Ah. okay go 
So I want to talk to you a little bit about jealousy. It's been on my Ooh. mind a lot recently, or it's just been on my mind constantly. Um, you know, it's like that the resentment against a rival or uh, against a person enjoying success or against somebody else's success. And uh, oftentimes based on an ideal of what you think that person is has or is feeling. Mm. And I can't say that I've ever really been um, jealous of somebody's uh, output or somebody's success, because oftentimes when people like us succeed, I'm charged by it because it means I can do it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And So I've had that relationship to culture and to Mm -hmm. writing, but I had to really examine my incredible rancor at couples. Mm. (laughs) I'm sitting right here, Tommy. Your relationship notwithstanding, I'm very happy for you. (laughs) I feel very, very sorry for your boyfriend. (laughs) I'm definitely not jealous of it, if that's what you're trying to say. (laughs) But um, I remember like recently, I just, I was like looking at some couples Instagram and I was like, this is the most disgusting thing. This is the most vile thing I've ever seen. But then I, you know, I was like, what is at the root of this anger? And it's like, Mm. you know, when people are always like, oh, you're mad because you're jealous. And be like, fuck that bitch. But... Maybe I'm not like jealous of it, but I'm jealous of what it's attempting to portray. Mm. And this kind of um, goes back to social media selves, which is like people pretending that their lives are ideal. Right. Mm -hmm. Or like there's because of the nature of the feed, it always seems like everyone's coming out with a book all the time. So true. But that one person has been working on that thing for eight years and that other, but there's 15 or 20 or 50 of them on your feet at all times. So I think like a part of my jealousy is a, or a part of the root of the anger that I think is the jealousy is in the, um, the, the fiction of the feed and of social media. On the flip side, (laughs) I do find jealousy, jealousy to be a propulsive force. Mm -hmm. You know, when you are, especially when you're in the face of adversity of someone who is like, maybe like, has a lot more power than you probably because systems of because of racism or because of other structures of power but like i i personally jealousy can be a driving force for my own personal intuition and career that doesn't necessarily mean it's healthy you know i'm not endorsing it as <laughs> but like Fred. but let me tell but let me tell you it has worked uh, <laughs> yes you know yes i, mean? I want to talk about jealousy in relationships because i think it's another thing that we get lots and lots of questions about right monogamy and non-monogamy and jealousy within monogamous relationships for me i uh, i'm not by nature a super duper jealous person but like i get the twinge i get that feel i get you know that sense of like oh my boyfriend uh is attracted to other people well duh people are attracted to right. people right so i can both recognize that it's irrational at the same time that i'm feeling it for me what's worked really great in those cases of jealousy is kind of eroticizing it like allowing Ooh, yes allowing my boyfriend's desire for other people to make him a more full person and mm-hmm. make me want him more you know what i mean that was the I, antidote. I'm seriously, yeah, I'm yeah. this dude that I had a crush on recently, and I was just like, "Tell me about all the boys you make out with." Because I, I was like, yeah. I would, he, he would talk about them, and I'd be like, "Okay, now we have to fuck." I <laughs> want to watch my boyfriend get plowed. Tops out there, slide into the DMs. I would love to video that. Mm. Oh man! So for me, I feel like I have a really complicated relationship with jealousy because I'm also not a person who, by nature, gets terribly jealous, but. I have found myself in relationships. I'll have a twinge of jealousy, like if I'm in sort of an open scenario and I really like the person, or 
um, if I'm if we're monogamous, but like I know they're attracted to someone, I just have a twinge, and then it passes, and like that's not that big of a deal to me. But in the professional world, like as a mm. writer, that's where I definitely have to deal with some jealousy, and I have I have a particular nemesis. The thoughts know who this person is. Oh, yes. Um, and I will say that when this person got like announced their first book deal, I like was on my way to my job. I was commuting from Park Slope to Harlem. I stopped in Brooklyn Industries and spent two hundred and twenty five dollars. Oh <laughs> and that was my coping mechanism. Um, I don't recommend that for everyone. I couldn't afford that at the time. There are plenty of people out there who cannot afford that now, sometimes including me. Um, but it was a way that I that I worked with it. But the thing, um, the thing that I have to echo Fran about is that for me in that arena and in that scenario, jealousy has been a really propulsive thing. I don't like to talk about it. I feel a lot of shame around the fact that I'm human enough to to, to feel jealousy when I feel like it's something that is kind of shameful, um, especially in that scenario, because I know that some of the people that I might be a little bit jealous of, like their success opens doors for me. To end yeah. this on a healthy note. Uh, but it's, I don't know her. But yeah. it's real. But like when, it, when we're queer and marginalized, I think so often, more often than not, we're constantly trained to believe that like there are certain there are only a certain number of slots available to us mm-hmm. right we operate on a, on on scarcity you know and yep. believe that like oh there's only like you can only be one of us successful in a given space you have to tell yourself friend of the podcast jacob to be always told me um their success is additive to yours yeah. right yeah their success is is helps pave the way so that you can do things too yes Mm, I'm feeling full, but like I could fit one more thing inside of me. Dennis knows how I feel. <laughs> and this week, our dessert is the one, the only Dolly Parton. Mm. Um, I listened to, I mean, she's having a moment right now. I mean, it's, not, it's not that she ever went away. Right. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But there's also like, she's has the Netflix TV show. Uh, she's got like that um, Dolly Parton's America. She's going on her seventh farewell tour. Yes. <laughs> Gay icon. <laughs> Love multiple farewell tours. What I love about Dolly, first of all, Jolene, epic, slaps forever. That is like one of my favorite songs of all. But then also. I will always love you. I'll, I will mm. always love you. Iconic. And she mm. wrote both of those in the same day. Yep. yep. And also like um, the the I can't remember the name of the person who was producing the record, uh, but he was like trying to sort of diminish her in that moment. And so he tried to get a session musician to play the guitar part on Jolene mm-hmm. and they couldn't <laughs> master the lick. Right. She was like, let me just do this for y'all. <laughs> if you haven't started listening to the podcast Dolly Parton's America, it is one of my favorite things that I've listened to mm-hmm. and like binged on in audio form in a very long time. Yes. Like the reporting on it is exquisite. And like understanding Dolly Parton as a cultural object is like mind blowing. I did not know that I would learn that much. And putting into perspective her talent, not her just her talent. humor yes. and not just her presence or her public yeah. persona, but the fact of her incredible. Incredible career and her incredibly prolific songwriting they're like if she was not dolly parton if she was like if if she was born in a different time and a man we would be calling her mozart exactly literally it's so important to me because i grew up in a place that loves country music Mm -hmm. but it's like the number one thing back home is country music everyone everyone drives a truck and blasts country music out their cb radio to the outside of their truck Mm. and Every, the way in which Dolly Parton was talked about back home was as a bimbo, mm-hmm. right? As as Always. like as because she had big tits and she had lots of drag makeup, and that's that's who she was. And so it's so important to me to grow up and learn that no, she's actually a fucking genius yes. who made really 
decisions about how she wanted to present herself to the world yeah. and created incredible art and said fuck you to anyone's expectations of her beyond that and yeah. what you've just named is exactly the key the core tenet of mm-hmm. food for thought yeah. like, yeah. like exactly. her, she actually loves being trash she is self-identified trash yep. she talks about it all the time she talks about being you know she makes her own big boob jokes she yep. she pokes mm-hmm. fun at her own wigs and she does that on purpose because she loves that she yep. loves she loves coming from the people that she comes from yep. yeah mm-hmm. and she she knows that that is part of her ancestry. Yep. And she also takes and she goes, psych, I'm also a genius. You yes. know what I mean? Like because that's... for somebody to say, it takes a lot of money to look this cheap. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> so Fucking genius. Yes. So, good. so I haven't listened to Dolly Parton's America yet, but I did watch the first episode of Reese Witherspoon series on Netflix, Shine On. And the first interview is oh, Dolly Parton. I need to watch it's that. Really, it's actually a really good episode. Look I was mark. like, this will be like a good way sort of in. Um, and she talked exactly about that. And I was obsessed with the how deeply subversive it was mm-hmm. and sort of how like interestingly political political it was for someone who also like is sort of very outspokenly like apolitical like doesn't really speak politics dolitics as they call Dol- it dolitics <laughs> and by the way i i she's kind of maybe the only person that i feel like that's like I'm completely down with and I like think that's perfectly fine like normally I'm that like makes me crazy um but yeah she's just like she's like equally trashy equal parts trashy equal parts brilliant equal parts leader and also knows how to manipulate so many of the things around her without like like taking up the space I I it was years before I knew that she wrote I will always love you the right. first time I heard it sung sort of in that in that way was actually in this one episode on Gilmore Girls when Lauren Graham does it, does oh it in karaoke. <laughs> wow. And I just was like, I've never heard this song like that. And I like, I turned to the Google and looked it up and I learned that she had written this song. I listened to her sing it and I was like, holy freaking shit. This is just as amazing as Whitney. The thing is completely different. Mm-hmm. You don't have to take up space when you're collecting that check. Listen. 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 It, listen to the podcast. We won't get into it now, but the story behind that song is exquisite. Yeah. The whole, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Oh, so, and mm. she plays every single instrument, including her nails. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Obsessed. Uh, what a resourceful people Obsessed. we are. This episode of Food for Thought is made possible by the generous, unequivocal support of Rosé and our new home at iHeartRadio. Mm. Our producer is the keeper of our HBO Go password, Alexandra DePalma. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, our production manager has been looking up Cherry Grove sublets from birth, Elizabeth D. So, so <laughs> our social media manager is currently doing one of those prize wheel stories on Instagram right now, Christina Tucker. <laughs> yes. Subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes or else we forget that J-Lo was snubbed for us. How, oh dare. How dare! How dare! Never forget! Right never forget! Tommy Teebs Pico. You can find me at Hey Teebs H E Y T E E B S on all relevant social media. I'm Fran. You can find me at Fran Squish Co on anything you want. I'm Dennis, and you can find me on Twitter at the Earl Denden T H E E A R L T E N T E N. I'm Joe. You can find me at www.josephosmondson.com. Find us on Instagram at Gay Sluts Who Read, and join us on Facebook and Twitter at Food for Thought Pod, to, where each week we pin some questions at the top of our page to. Continue the discussion of this week's main topic. Sign up for our newsletter for uh, some extra delectable content at foodforthoughtpodcast.com. And finally, send your thoughts, concerns, questions, and dick pics to thoughts at foodforthoughtpodcast.com. As always, that's food, the number four. And thoughts about how? T-H-O-T. Bye. We're coming. See you next week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 